This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I'm Jess Nam. And I'm Jamal Dejani. Well, Jamal, we're back from a small, short hiatus, and we're back with Arab Talk for all our viewers and our listeners. A lot has happened since our last live show, and we have so much to talk about right now. And uh, we'll be getting to issues around the pandemic and the election. But as I have been saying now for the last 15 years, and I keep saying it, every four years, when there's a, a an election in the United States, that period of time after the election to the inauguration is basically carte blanche for the Israeli military and government to exercise its most brutal uh, force against either Palestinians, Syrians, or in this case, the Iranians. And we will speak about that during the show. But we have a lot to talk about, and we're getting to the close of 2020. That's right, Jess. And actually, I'll add to, to this thought that this uh, uh, last period uh, of a sitting president is very sensitive you talked about the Israeli side, which is, uh, you're absolutely right, uh, Israelis have in the past uh, taken advantage of this kind of change of the guards. However, I would double your bet and add to it because it's also, now this is the danger, because Donald Trump himself wants to end on a last hurrah or bonanza That's or right. whatever. That's right. Uh, you want to describe it, and, and we'll talk about, I mean, the similarities between him and Benjamin Netanyahu, actually, a lot of similarities. They both That's want right. to held, hold on to their seats for as long as, as possible. But uh, why this is sensitive, and we'll start with Iran, and as you know, because now the world is waiting to see whether Iran will strike back at Israel or even the United States uh, over the assassination of their top nuclear scientist, uh, Mohsen Fakhirzadeh, uh, the architect of Iran's basically uh, military uh, nuclear uh, pro program. Because if you recall, also Donald Trump, he ordered the assassination of General Soleimani. That's right. And, and the Iranians uh, retaliated be yes. it was kind of a small retaliation. So now, I mean, here is the thing. I mean, we're hearing for the first time criticism within the United States uh, Congress, uh, mostly uh, Democrats and, and others saying, this is ridiculous. We sh this shouldn't escalate to this much. Scientists shouldn't be uh, a target. We haven't heard anything from Donald Trump condemning it or condemning Israel, of course is being very hesitant, uh, hesitant about taking credit for it. In fact, one of its ministers tried to deny it. But we know the writing is on the wall, right? Of course. So we know this is definitely of an course. act of the Mossad. Uh, even the Iranians themselves, uh, you know, which was basically this was uh, different than other assassinations in a way where uh, the Mossad, Mossad agents set up a uh, automatic... Uh, uh, rifle on top of a truck and uh, basically did the assassination remotely, then exploded the truck, but then the Iranian intelligence were able to discover bits and pieces of the That's technology right. and all fingers, according to Iran, lead to Israel. 
Well, we should say, of course, it leads to Israel, but we also have to put in there, Jamal, with the blessing of the United States under the Trump administration, because they would always need to get some sort of blessing from the United States administration to do something like this. Well, I mean, here is the question. So I've been uh, monitoring the uh, both Israeli media and the Iranian media, and the senior Iranian officials have been stressing that Iran will take revenge against the perpetrators. But at the same time, they've been saying we will continue. One of one part of our revenge is maintaining Fakhrizadeh's uh, uh, legacy, meaning the nuclear program, and they're not going to adhere to any. Well, they've 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 reestablished their nuclear enrichment program to go far beyond medical grade enrichment, Jamal. That's a very strong statement in terms of reestablishing a higher grade of nuclear fissural material that they'll be able to use for, you know, other than medical purposes, for sure. Well, then the key question now is whether Iran will accelerate what you're talking about into a nuclear bomb, right? or um, uh, extract its revenge because they keep saying whether targeting uh, Israeli or American targets, American targets, they can be easily targeted in, in Iraq because we still have troops in That's Iraq. That's right. That's right. And interest in the Gulf. And then, of course, Israel, they can target Israel through Hezbollah in Lebanon and other places. Or wait to see what President-elect Biden puts on the table. Because that's kind of the calculation, and I think that's the calculation for them to right. see if whether they're going to go back to the Obama era, because they've reached an agreement, right? And then Trump kind of canceled it. But my worry, Jess, is that that's not all the story. Meaning, now with, and then we'll get to that because, uh, and we'll talk a little bit later on about. Uh, Israel uh, parliament has recently passed a preliminary bill to dissolve uh, itself, right. which, which is really a move that thre- threatens to break apart uh, an already fractured coalition government and trigger a fourth election in less than two years. Right. We know that uh, an election for Benjamin Netanyahu is kind of like, the, that's where the parallel thing between him and, and, the, and the thinking of the same minds between him and Donald Trump is because Benjamin Netanyahu, he's been dragging on, dragging on his uh, control over the government and, 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 and that seat uh, of the prime ministership to avoid prosecution. Absolutely. He has like more than three criminal cases, I think four, right. if, I'm, if I'm correct, cases that's right. targeting him. The same way that Donald Trump has been trying, and we'll talk more about that, to mesmerize his uh, base and get more money, donations from them, and all these things, and all the game that they've been trying. They haven't thrown the towel. And here we are, uh, December 3rd. <laughs> they haven't yet conceded. And, and by the way, Jamal, they're not going to concede. I'll, I'll give you the breaking news right now. Yeah, Donald Trump the, will never concede. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that, but but for me, because they think alike, meaning Trump and Netanyahu think alike, that Trump might think uh, to pull something crazy like bombing Tehran or bombing 
its nuclear facilities and dragging this country to an, a never-ending war. And this is what the Israelis have been egging the United States forever. I mean, if you recall going back That's to right. the Obama-Biden administration, how many times and how many tricks and how many emissaries Israel have sent to the United States tried to convince Obama to bomb Iran. Exactly. We, we came so many times close, but Oma, Obama resisted. resisted That's right. This. And if, 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 if we had the time, uh, we could pull... Uh, you know, uh, the famous or infamous Benjamin Netanyahu statement at the United Nations many, many years ago, right. telling uh, how if the United States invades uh, Iraq, that Iraq is going to be a wonderful place and how wonderful the Middle East will turn to be. Do you remember that statement? That well, un un unfortunately, I do remember that statement, Jamal, very, very um, painfully. It's a very painful memory. And um, I think you've really put your finger on something very important in terms of the strategic next steps. Because the dilemma for Iran is that if they don't respond to this act of war, because that's what it is, when you assassinate scientists, that's, that's an act of war. And the Soleiman... Um, response was very measured. This this is an act of war to kill your one of your top scientists, irrespective of whatever he did, and to assassinate him on his own, you know, his in his own home, basically in his own home uh, territory. However, the Iranians really do want to get back to the nuclear agreement and and have all of these uh, financial restrictions and embargoes uh, taken away and. Prior to the in, uh, assassination, Jamal, Biden did signal that he was interested in reestablishing the Obama nuclear deal with, with the Iranians. So there, you're right. There's a dance going on right now. Can the Iranians really wait two months? If they wait two months, that's going to give Trump and Netanyahu more time to plan and to destabilize the region. So it's a race between the Israeli-Trump or Netanyahu Trump attempt to destabilize the region even more, which has always been their policy, and Biden's attempt to kind of stabilize the area by reestablishing the Iran nuclear deal. I'm not sure who's going to win, Jamal, to be honest with you, but I will say that I agree with you 100%. If I were a betting person, and I'm not, it, betting on Trump's instability is always a good bet. So if you think he's going to act irrationally and in an unstable way, that's a safe bet to make. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the biggest fear. And uh, the biggest fear, not only for Iran, for the entire region, but also for the security of the United States and its allies in the region like the Gulf Strait. But, but Jamal, thing... we, do, but we do have good news. You, you left out good news. Okay, what's the good news? The good news is that the diplomat extraordinaire Jared Kushner is on the way as we speak to Saudi Arabia and the Gulf in an attempt to make things better in the region. He's done such an amazing job on the well, question I of... I label this as good news. That's why you took me by surprise. No, that's... I, you, <laughs> that's a joke, right? Yeah, that's the sarcasm because here you have Jared Kushner responsible for decimating any possibility of peace 
you know, in terms of the question of Palestine and the oppression of Palestinians and the occupation of Palestinians. And he's going right now to do yet another deal or attempt to do another deal. He's going to be visiting Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And on top of that, Jamal, we should make mention of the fact that Mohammed bin Salman had a secret meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu uh, recently. So there's some dirty dealings going on right now. Well, and I, it's, I can assess the, uh, the, the Kushner flight to Saudi Arabia, or I can connect it to a recent report that Saudi Arabia has recently backtracked on allowing Israeli flights over its airspace on their way to the UAE. Because initially they said, yeah, they, that's fine. And then there was, it was a very small story in the news that Saudi Arabia has um, uh, reneged on this agreement. So that could be part of the flight, because if you remember, uh, both the Trump administration and Netanyahu were pretty much saying or bragging that Saudi Arabia is going to be next in uh, uh, forming diplomatic ties uh, with Israel. That has not happened yet. And then there was a small story about not allowing them to use their airspace for flights to the UAE. This is just very new, Jess. This is just like a, right. a couple of days ago. But this this goes to support the, the, the point we're trying to make, Jamal. This next, you know, 50 days plus minus is a very, has the potential to be among the most destabilizing times in in the Gulf, in North Africa, in the Middle East, as we can imagine. I mean, there's this is supposed to be a time where diplomatic and military things are put on hold temporarily to allow the next president to initiate their policy in those regions all over the world, get the State Department going, get the military going. That's what the general, you know, time between the election and the inauguration has been historically in this country. All bets are off now because Trump is not going to stop causing trouble either domestically or internationally. And that's really what this show is about. It should be called, Jamal, how Donald Trump will continue to destroy and interfere with democracy domestically and internationally and destabilize things. Well, you could also say there is a uh, this this whole thing was uh, orchestrated by Donald Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu and the first act was uh, for the Israeli uh, Mossad to assassinate uh, the uh, Iranian uh, scientists. I and I think that's Iran, right. I think and that's for right. Iran to overreact immediately and does something stupid or they were kind of like baiting Iran. Right. And then this is when the United States will step in to protect its interest and help its allies in the region, Israel, Saudi Arabia, etc., and bomb Iran. But this didn't happen. And you know why it didn't happen? Because the Iranians are smart. That's and right. They've outsmarted uh, the United States on, on, on this issue many times. They also, uh, this uh, uh, Rouhani... Rouhani is a is a very pragmatic fellow, and uh, you know, uh, and the people around him. He's more actually pragmatic than than the parliament, the Iranian parliament. You hear a lot of slogans right. and you right. know, and people in the streets. Of course, there is that uh, 
demonstrations, burning the American flag, burning the Israeli flag, death to America chant and death to Israel chant. But he's more pragmatic, you know, because he's, if, you, if you read what he's been saying, uh, he doesn't want to play into the hands of the Trump administration and Israel. Yep. And, and he has been uh, stressing the removal and prioritizing the removal of U.S. sanctions uh, on Iran and, and hoping that this will happen once uh, Biden assumes office. I mean, this is their goal. They're kind of goal-oriented. And the, the goal that they put forward is like, stay cool because you could always have your revenge. A year from now, two years from now, five years from now, doesn't matter. Now their objective is really to remove the sanctions because the sanctions have hurt Iran, have hurt the, its economy quite a bit. And they want to go back, uh, you know, that's right the, back on the and, table. And I think that's right, Jamal. That's the diplomatic dance. The President Rouhani is a very pragmatic guy. You're right. If the Iranians can hold off politically, this is more for them domestically, on retribution or revenge or getting back. If they can hold on until Biden takes over on the 20th of January, there may be some movement there diplomatically. And of course, there's probably some back-channel negotiations going on now. Having said that, if Biden doesn't get on it, and he, he knows he's on a relatively short timeline, that he's got to make some diplomatic moves or diplomatic indicators that have to show the Iranians that it's worth their while to hang in there and that the sanctions, the move towards... Well, un un unfortunately, uh, Biden, neither Biden uh, nor his transition team have said anything about it. They've been silent on Fakhrizadeh's assassination. And actually, several of Biden's aides, when they were asked, questioned by the media to comment on this, they refused to comment on the matter. I, th period. I, think, that, I think that's smart, because that and means to me, back-channel communications are going on. That's my suspicion, at least. So the other thing is to look for is to watch for what other world powers, because, you know, this, even though we know that Trump can, he acts unilaterally, but also mostly the entire EU, people who actually worked on the nuclear deal with Obama administration from Russia, China, France, Germany, the UK, the entire EU, they've been meeting, uh, you know, with Iranian officials and they have a meeting on December 16th. Right. So that to, so so they have a meeting actually with Iranian office, officials in Vienna on December 16th to discuss ways to preserve the deal and get Iran back uh, to full compliance and prepare for uh, the new U.S. Uh, administration. So that's the game. It's just the big question again is whether Trump pays attention to any of this and then he just has something in his in his head. And as a commander-in-chief uh, gives the order to do something very reckless, I, in my well, opinion, in the, in, yeah. in the region. And as I said, you know, betting on Trump's instability because he's, he's laid a wrecking ball to the democratic process here in the United States. He's attacking Republicans right now. We may have some time to talk about that later in terms of the senatorial runoff 
elections in Georgia for the control of the Senate. He's acting very irrationally in so many different ways. There's no reason to to suspect that he won't continue to act irrationally, Jamal. Having said that, I think it's good that the Iranians have backed completely out of the deal, have decided that they're going to enrich uranium, because frankly, Jamal, you and I both know that's their only point of leverage, is to continue to enrich uranium as quickly and to as high a level as possible now as a source of protection, because, you know, it's a very fragile situation. The Iranian economy is terrible right now. The COVID epidemic is rampant in Iran right now, especially in Tehran. It's a very difficult time. And, you know, Iran, frankly, despite its amazing history and its amazing, you know, um, you know, place in terms of, you know, intellectual and cultural history, it, they're in a pretty weak position right now. So, you know, this is a very delicate time. I mean, it can go either way. You're absolutely right. You're listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. Just we started also talking about uh, trying to make a comparison between Benjamin Netanyahu. What, uh, what do you mean trying? Trump. They are and two peas in a pod. Trump. They are two peas in a pod. <laughs> and uh, this is the timing. And I mentioned earlier, this is a new that Israel's parliament has passed a pre- preliminary bill to dissolve itself, uh, and that basically will trigger a fourth election, right? So this is, uh, the vote, even though it's not final, it requires fur- further voting into it. But the bill uh, in the Israeli Knesset passed 61 to 54. Wow. So it wasn't I'm even surprised. a close one. And with uh, potential for further re- regist- legislation to formally asked to dissolve the House as soon as next week. I mean, this could happen over the weekend, which then would lead uh, to an election in the spring. So we know, I mean, for Netanyahu, it's really a game, right? So that last deal that they brokered, uh, that Netanyahu would serve the first 18 months, and then that's Gantz done. It's done. will, will it's come over. back. It's basically, uh, it's just seen as a career saver and a, a, a possible chance for him to skirt uh, his uh, legal woes, right? So uh, uh, he has three damning criminal corruption cases, uh, charges on him. Basically, right. he's face, he will face the minute his step, steps down and out of the prime minister office. Well, this is the this is the difference with uh, Trump, Jamal, because Trump probably has ten times that that amount waiting for him. So okay. actually, so, Netanyahu's probably in a slightly better legal position of jeopardy than Donald Trump. So this is what the Israeli opposition uh, right. has been saying. They say that Netanyahu never intended to rotate the prime minister position to Gantz. He never did. I I think that's right. And that's kind of like a game. Now, this is a setup again, basically. He basically wants another round of elections. So that whole thing about now that vote, he basically, it's a a game that he played to kind of uh, 
you know, pull them into that vote to dissolve the parliament because then uh, when they dissolve the parliament, all former agreements are off the table. That's right. Which means... That's right. Because last time the election was close and he couldn't form a coalition, neither Gantz was able to form a coalition. They made that kind of deal. The last time something like this happened just was between uh, Perez and Netanyahu. Right. That was the last time... Uh, Paris was a prime minister. So now, and of course, when you do that, it's kind of half term, half term each. It's not good for him. So now, if they go back into a new election, maybe he's feeling confident that he will win. And which means he'll stay another four or five years. He wants to be basically the king of Israel forever. He doesn't want to be the prime minister. He's He's the longest ruling prime minister uh, in Israel's history. Well, I think politically, Jamal, he, and, and I'm sorry to say this, but he's got a much better chance to pull this off than Donald Trump has. Because um, we're, you know, the Israeli uh, economy has taken a pretty big hit recently. They're barely coming out of their COVID uh, crisis, even though there's been a lot of uh, protests against Netanyahu. Uh, You know the Israeli culture very well, Jamal. You know the way they think. You know the way they feel. If they feel instability in the future, and there's a choice between Netanyahu and Benny Gantz, you know they're going to pick Netanyahu. And and that's just the way uh, these societies are. It's the same reasoning well, why... Yeah, Isra- Israelis will always drift towards uh, conservative government and far-right government when they feel threatened. And they do feel threatened. Well, of course, with COVID, they feel threatened. So uh, he can play that game, that card. Uh, he can play the card of uh, should he convince Trump to take this crazy action that now... Israel faces an existential threat from Iran, and Iran wants to retaliate, and only a Likud leader can save Israel, and only himself can save Israel. So that's a game that has been played successfully in the past, yes. So I don't put it past... No, uh, and but Netanyahu, as I said, has a much better chance than Trump. The possibility of Trump uh, pulling off any of these you know, sociopathic, psychopathic, narcissistic things that he and Giuliani are trying to do right now, the possibility of them occurring is about 0% or less. My prediction, Jamal, as long as we get to the the Trump thing really quick, my prediction is that Trump is going to announce his re-election bid on January 20th for 2024. He's going to suck all the oxygen out of the room so that Pompeo, Nikki Haley, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, any other of the Republicans who are thinking of running in 2024 are going to be shot down. And that he's going to spend the next four years undermining democracy and the Biden administration every single day. So you, when, we, when people say to me, I, oh, thank goodness uh, Trump is leaving, I keep saying, Breaking news, everybody. He's not going anywhere. 75 million people voted for him. 75 million. That's, you know, that's 47% of the population 
you know, if you if you kind of extrapolate. Million. Yeah. So listen. Yeah, except except if they take the wind out of his sail in two maneuvers. One, go after his family, all his children, because that's why they're talking about preempting this and uh, right, sure, giving them uh, immunity and par- pardons, pardons presiden- sure, presidential pardons, sure. And then two, if uh, the Republicans get to flip the uh, Senate or e- or even tie the Senate, because then you have. Uh, uh, Vice President Elect Harris, she will. Uh, yeah, I don't think one. that's. This is maybe. This may be where you and I have a slight disagreement because, even if those things happen, it's not going to neutralize uh, Trump at all. He has such a devoted following, who are, you know, ready to to take up. I, I mean, I'm I'm I, I'm even shocked that I'm willing to say this on, you know, our live broadcast. But his followers are willing to take up arms uh, to fight against what they believe is an illegal election of uh, Joe Biden. And so there have been death threats against Republican officials, Jamal, in Georgia and in Michigan who have certified elections. We're talking about Republicans receiving death threats because they have said, yes, Joe Biden won. And when you have that kind of well, vitriol... Well, who do you blame for this? Who do you blame for this, Jess? I mean, you blame the Republicans. No. Who do you blame? You blame the Republican politicians, senators, and congressmen and women, congresswomen who have been silent. Absolutely. Who, who have been cowering to Donald Trump. Because and still cowering. Be, and still cowering. The, well, that's why this could, this could end right now if Mitch McConnell and others... It, Make a statement, say the elections are over. Biden has has won, and that's it. Let's move on. They're if not they going to do that. Do that they, they won't all, do that. They are all to blame. It's not just Donald Trump, and it's not the average person who's living in Tennessee or he's living in Alabama and wherever. I blame all these politicians because they know better. They are Washington insiders. They know. I mean, look, Donald Trump. He's willing to fire his FBI. He's willing to fire his uh, <laughs> members of uh, Homeland Department of Homeland Security. He's willing to fire anyone who certif- will is willing to say, "Yeah, we didn't have any fraud. These were fair elections, and you lost." And these guys know better. They know that what he's saying is a total lie. I don't think even Trump believes his own lies. I don't think that Giuliani No, I think I actually think he be- I actually think he believes I, that. I I don't think so. I think it's just another act for him. He's just a corrupt individual. He is willing to lie to his mother, father if they were alive. He's willing to lie to his anyone to save his behind. And he's doing this and unfortunately his circle has been shrinking because some people have been leaving him and he's surrounding himself himself with uh, losers like Giuliani who get duped by Borak whatever you know <laughs> goes into I mean I mean he's the last lawyer if 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 he gets like some obscure uh reporter from uh Kazakhstan or I don't know where she how she presented himself to drag him to her bedroom to lie on the bed 
And put his hands in his pants, yeah. That's right. I mean, is this the lawyer who you would want to use? Well, yes, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's so bad that when the lawyer says, hey, I'm in legal trouble, can you pardon me? Because that's bad news, because there's reports that Giuliani has already approached the president to be pardoned ahead of, you know, January 20th. Look, Jamal. I mean, Trump got I, 74 I, I, million p- votes. I, 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 I want very, I, no, very, no. I, I want to believe what you're saying. I really do. But, but still, 80 million people have voted for Biden. It doesn't matter because you have, you have an energy of the 75 million million people who voted for Trump, and those who didn't vote, who are Trump supporters, who are so crazed about him and believe everything he tweets and says and does, that I am worried that even if Trump gets arrested, which is going to create chaos, even if his kids get arrested, which they deserve if, in fact, the evidence comes out to show all of the illegalities that they committed, we're, we're headed for a very difficult four years. I really see, Jamal, the next four years as being even a greater test of American democracy than the previous four years. Because what are you going to do if 75 million people believe that the election was a fake, who who don't believe in the process, and who believe that they should take up arms to save this country? What are you going to do about that? It's but what, it, what I'm going to do about it is I would want to expose Donald Trump for the person he is, that he is a con man and a liar. And, and if I were going to guess anything, Biden is going to re- uh, uh, stay away from that. I mean, he has to focus on being president. And you know who he is going to handle this for him? Well, whoever the attorney general is. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but it's going to be under the guidance of Kamala Harris. That's true. He knows how to deal with punks like him. And that's true. that's what she has done in the past. By exposing, of course, you're going to have a whole network of, uh, of you know, lawyers and whatever looking into his finances, looking into election uh, finance fraud, uh, looking into this whole corruption thing. I mean, uh, I mean, his uh, his daughter is now under investigation for using uh, some, um, you know, his uh, well, the finance, inauguration funds, inauguration yeah. money, you know. So I'm sure the more you dig, the more you find. Uh, this corruption. Why has he moved from Manhattan to Florida? We know why. Because he's in a lot of trouble in New York. And do you think the attorney general in New York going to remain silent? No. Well, this is the good news about um, the pardons. I mean, I think there's a 99.9% chance that Trump will pardon Kushner and his children and Giuliani Manafort, all these other corrupt people who are spending time in jail, who are found guilty under our rules. I think that's that's going to happen. However, as we've said many times on this show, Jamal, the pardon only applies to federal offenses, not to state offenses. So if there are state laws that were broken, and I am one of the people who believes that all the Trump children and Jared Kushner committed many illegalities at the level of state law, 
they will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Here's the other thing about pardons, he Jamal. Can't, he can't pardon himself, just no. But he I'll I'll get I'll get to that. I'll get to that in I'll I'll get to that in a second. But even if you pardon Giuliani and Kushner and Ivanka and Don Jr., if they commit crimes in the future, they're still on the hook for that. So, you know, it's not that great. I I I think that he's going to try to pardon himself. One it will word, go one fly. It'll go to the Supreme Court where he has a majority. So we'll see. But he'll try to do it. We'll see if. Amy Coney Barrett, if uh, Chief, if Justice Kavanaugh or Gorsuch, will we'll see we'll see what they say. It could come down to Judge, you know, Amy Coney Barrett, Jamal. She could be the decider on whether or not a president can pardon himself. It'll be interesting. I don't know if you felt a little shaking <laughs> a second ago, but I think the Bay Area had a little uh, earthquake just. It's either an earthquake, which I haven't felt yet, or it could be Donald Trump kind of shaking from the news that we're <laughs> reporting here on Arab Talk. And he should worry about it, Jamal. But y- you know a little bit about uh, the psychology of white grievance. And really, this is why 75 million people voted for Donald Trump. He has been riding a wave of white victimhood white grievances, you know, for the last, you know, not just four years, last six, eight years. That's that's his push. And um, even if he were arrested, he's going to have this following, Jamal, that are going to follow him to the bitter, bitter end, no matter what happens. That's why I'm personally very concerned about the next four years. I'm not as optimistic as you are that our experiment in democracy can handle such a deranged uh, person who can harness the, the, the mental and emotional, you know, states of 75 million plus people. So it's making me a little nervous, to be honest. I want to shift topics here. Yes, a very important topic, of course, uh, today. The daily deaths uh, from the coronavirus surpassed 3,000. Yeah, it's terrible. And uh, 100,000 people are in the hospital. That's a one-day toll. And 100,000 in the hospital. You know, as as of today. Yeah. And uh, but also they say that this number might be much higher because we haven't uh, gotten all the after effects of the Thanksgiving holiday. That's right. And they pleaded with uh, people not to travel, not to, to take flights. And so this, so we might have a higher number in a few days when the results ca- come. As you know, people don't uh, get the, all the uh, effects of the virus immediately. It might take a week, might take two weeks. But we have uh, hundreds of thousands of people who traveled during the um, Thanksgiving holiday and, and took flights. And at the same time, there is uh, good news. And the good news is now you have more than at least two drug companies, maybe three, uh, Pfizer, uh, Moderna, uh, AstraZeneca is the third one. Uh, and then and, jo- and Johnson & Johnson has Johnson one too. Johnson who have who said that they have uh, a vaccine with an efficacy rate of over 90%. 
and and the first shipment uh, has left actually uh, Belgium, where the, for example, Pfizer right. has its manufacturing uh, plant, and it's uh, it's right either here in the United States or on its way to the United States. So how do you balance between these two things that we are now hitting? We're getting hit by horrible wave. One, the winter time, and two, we had Thanksgiving travel. We're coming into Christmas where people are gonna right and New Year's together and, and New, New Year's, Year's not gonna listen. They're gonna meet. They're gonna visit their family. They go to parties. The other day, I was reading in Manhattan, out of all places, where it was a that the city shut down an after-hour club where they had 400 people just That's right. partying to the wee hours. That's right. Okay. So as we approach December 31st or January 1st, which I feel like it's going to be the worst kind of hump to come to get over. And then at the same time, we're, they say we might be getting some vaccines by the end of December for some people the frontline workers, and, right. and by February, regular people start getting the vaccine. Well, Jamal, do you want the good news or the bad news first? Well, I've been living bad news since last March. Well, the, 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 the slight piece of good news is that it appears, if you look at the, the research, and I've actually looked at the research very carefully, and I, I have colleagues who are virologists and epidemiologists that I've been speaking with about this. The good news is it does look so far that the vaccines that are coming out from Moderna, from uh, AstraZeneca, from the Pfizer, it looks like for all intents and purposes that they're safe and they're effective. So that's the good news. You know, it does look like the, the process of getting a safe and vaccine is moving along well. The bad news is that, for example, if you look at the Pfizer uh, uh, vaccine, you need two shots, and they're going to have 20 million doses ready by, let's say, end of December, January for frontline workers. But 20 million doses will only treat 10 million people because you need two shots, they estimate, Jamal, that there are 47 million people who are frontline workers that need to be vaccinated first. So by the time all the frontline workers get their first and second vaccine, by the time the other vaccines come out, and by the way, the, the Pfizer vaccine has a problem, Jamal. It has to be kept at minus 94 degrees, and not all hospitals and clinics have that capability. So the other vaccines uh, will have to wait till they come out. My best estimate, Jamal, unfortunately, is that by the time regular people like you and I and people that we know will have access to the vaccines, at the best case scenario, March, April, June. So we're talking about a period of time between now and March, April, or June where the majority of Americans will get vaccinated at a time when the spread of the virus is reaching, not even at its pinnacle yet. We're not even at, we're not even close to the top yet. Some people have estimated, Jamal, using the modeling that it looks like by the end of January, 
There could be 500,000 Americans killed by this virus. 500,000. Yeah, I read the report by February. It said 400,000, but maybe that's a conservative. That's uh, conservative because right now, Jamal, someone is dying in the United States every 30 seconds. And we're not even at the peak yet. You had people traveling and flying. You had a million people traveling on Thanksgiving Day. The three days before Thanksgiving, a million people traveled every day. You had millions of people traveling the days after Thanksgiving. And I still see people where we live, Jamal. I mean, you know, we we are still quarantined. It looks like Governor Newsom is going to issue a shelter in place and stay indoors. Don't leave your house order within. He might be doing it right now for all I know. You know, but they're going to reverse, uh, for example, San Francisco now has been reversed to the purple sure. st- state. Sure. And uh, I think uh, they might make a new announcement about uh, rolling back, even going to Everything. restaurants and eating outside. But it's too late. But Jamal, what, part of what I'm trying to tell you is it's too late. I mean, we need to do those things, but well, I still, but I still big, see people. I still the, see people outside not wearing masks. Well, that's I still the big question. That's the I big still question see it for you, just because that's in a way a non-scientific, maybe more like psychological, which you can comment on this. Why in the hell? <laughs> I'm sorry to use that word. When all evidence is telling you that if you wear a mask, you wash your hands, you practice social distancing, you are going to reduce your chances from getting a coronavirus. And people still resist. They don't care. It's kind of like they, they are like they have this mental blockage that it's, it's going to devalue them or well here here's masculinity or what what but here's the full circle using all the advice here's the full circle jamal the full circle to answer your question when you say why do some people still don't wear a mask you could ask the same question why did 75 million people vote for donald trump because if you can answer why 75 million people voted for donald trump it gives you a glimpse into the answer as to why people... Some of it, because that, I would say, okay, this could be ideological. But the idea it is. is this is a matter of the, uh, life and death. But not for these people. I'm telling you, the people, uh, when I go for... Let's say I'm going for a hike in Northern California, and I walk down a street where there are other people, and they're not wearing a mask. If I say something, and I've tried a few times... People will yell at me. It's none of my effing business. Or and we're talking about Northern California, Jamal. We're, we're, we're not talking about the, you know, parts of deep Trump country. We're really talking about people who a large number of people who don't wear masks don't believe it's real, don't believe it's going to happen to them, believe that it's just like the flu. If they get it, no big deal. But fundamentally, it comes from an I- idea of a narcissistic idea. I can do whatever I want to do. It's up to me. Rather than the collective sense, I wear a mask, not not for me, Jamal. You wear a mask, not for you. You wear it to protect your family. You wear it to protect your community. You wear it to protect the larger group around you. So whether or not you do things because you believe it's an individual right, like the libertarian idea, 
or you believe in this kind of, we're in this together, we need to wear masks for each other. That's really the thing that distinguishes people who wear masks from people who don't. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you answered the question just by saying that's a narcissistic, which is, I, I agree with you 100%, because before I used to think, well, maybe they're ignorant. Maybe they're, they're not keeping up with the news. No. But now, after seeing all these deaths, all these reports, uh, all the numbers to, to back it up, people having, seeing their neighbors uh, dying or uh, getting infected, and they still refuse. I've, I've witnessed it. You're right. I've witnessed it here. Uh, people kind of like, uh, you know, on a walk or something like this, they refuse or they feel they're safe enough if they're outside or outdoors. Yeah, um, it's not true. And, it's, and it's and not true. I'm outdoors, indoor, I'm always wearing my mask. I'm always washing my hands. I, I have a sanitizer in my pocket. So there are simple steps that people can take. And yet, they refuse it, and and I and, and yeah, I do blame Donald Trump bragging about it absolutely, but then at the end of the day, you chart your own destiny, you make your own decisions. You're right. an adult, and if you are not paying attention to all the evidence around you, and and what you've painted, Jess, and what I've been looking at, yes, it's great news that we have these uh, vaccines coming up. But hey, by the time my turn, your turn to take that shot, maybe half a million people would have died. Maybe right, more. Jamal. And here's a painful news information that we can we can end on the show, unfortunately. If everybody wore a mask, we probably could have saved over two hundred the lives of two hundred thousand people if everybody wore a mask. Then the number of people's lives who would be saved if all of us wore a mask, would be astronomical. And that's the sad thing. A very simple act of protecting your neighbor and your community uh, uh, would save so many lives. And that's why I think the next three or four months are going to be really dark months, both from a medical standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, and from a political standpoint. I'm not looking forward to it. Sorry to and, end on such bad news, yeah, Jamal. Yeah, and by the way, I forgot to mention that there are also a number of people who will refuse to take the, the shot, the vaccine. Well, let me, l- let me give you the data so that our listeners will know this. In order for this vaccine to be effective, between 75 and 85% of the population has to take it. So do the numbers on the voting. of people voted for Trump, 53% plus or minus voted for Biden. Do you think, and we see this in Northern California, Jamal, anti-vaxxers everywhere here in Northern California. So if 75 to 85% of the people don't take the vaccine, all bets are off that we get through this. That's the thing that I worry about. You've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com to download the latest episodes and wear your mask. We wear are your not, mask. Yeah, wear your mask, <laughs> wash your hands, keep your distance, and uh, we we'll can see you survive next week. this all together and yeah. talk to you next week. See you next week. <laughs>